Dexter ill, 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 ill today. Mr. Kirk, Dexter's in school. I'm afraid he's not, Miss Birchmore. Dexter's truancy problem is way out of hand. The Baltimore County School Board have decided to expel Dexter from the entire public school system. Oh, Mr. Kirk, I'm enough fed as you to learn Dexter's truancy, but surely expulsion is not the answer. I'm afraid expulsion is the only answer. It is the opinion of the entire staff that Dexter is criminally insane. Same, same, same. <laughs> Welcome back to Queer Horror Cult. That's it. That's all I got. <laughs> okay, welcome back. It is... It's um, all we need. Short and sweet. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's the... Uh, it feels like kind of a scramble <laughs> to get our piddly-ass episodes out these days. Yeah, I'm, al- I'm almost... Like, I haven't said this to you yet, but I'll say it now, I guess. I'm, like, seriously toying with the idea of, like, yeah, maybe we should consider going down to, like, every other week. In the new year or something. Oh, yeah. Even if just while I finish up my practicum and shit. Might not be a bad idea. Yeah. We'll talk, though. Yeah. Let's see how it goes. Mm-hmm. I feel like uh, once we get back in the swing of things, though, it won't be so bad. Here's hoping. Yeah. But we did manage to uh, get something watched for us to talk about this week. Oh, yeah. Uh, we're talking about a filmmaker that it's kind of a shock that it's taken till episode 57 mm. to really get into. Yeah. we've, we've He's been mentioned here and there, but he's never yeah. been really given his due. Yeah, no, which is totally wild because of how us. important this director is. We're talking, To us and in general. Yes. We're talking John Waters, and today we're going to be looking at his movie Polyester. Masterpiece of melodrama. I took a melodrama class in film studies, and it's so fucked up that this movie was not on there. Right. Guess they they are like well I don't know like melodramas can't be enough on its own without throwing John Waters in. I mean that is actually a fair <laughs> point. It is can't be enough on its own without John Waters, but um, but this is, he's just like the cherry on top. Absolutely. What was that thing that they I I thought I remember something about like someone talking about John Waters as like the cherry on top of a shit Sunday or wasn't that in, like one of the reviews of Pink Flamingos or something where they're just like, Oh yeah, it's like disgusting and trash and it's amazing. I don't remember. I I'm probably just like hallucinating, but anyway. But that is your review. <laughs> if <laughs> well, it wasn't someone else's, that is your comment. Well, about him in general, as the yeah. being the Pope of Trash and all. Yes, he definitely wears that title proud. John Waters, for those who aren't familiar, is probably the best filmmaker out there. <laughs> I was about to qualify it a whole bunch. I'm like, no, I'm just going to say best. Yeah. Um, his movies are an absolute delight if you enjoy sort of like queer-tinged uh, queer trash. Mm-hmm. If you if you want to see those movies that are just crass and trashy and in-your-face about it, Yet somehow good, bad taste, yeah. generally. As he puts it, good, bad taste, yeah. Yeah, it's a... Uh, he's such an interesting 
figure in the age of, you know, like, shitty comedians being like, oh, you can't say anything Ooh, about PC culture. Ooh. Uh, uh, PC it's like culture. John Waters has been blowing that shit up since, like, the 60s. Like, give me a fucking break. Yeah, yeah he's like, if you want to talk about un-PC stuff, look at a John Waters movie, and yet it's not just punching down at people for... Because you can, because you mm-hmm. have the power to be cruel. It's uh, somehow un-PC while still being very much regarded by the people who are often targeted today as being mm-hmm. too PC. Like Totally. I noticed, I know a lot of our queer friends absolutely love John Waters movies, and it's like, but wait, if they're all like, uh, you know, snowflakes... It's LGBTQ that are just... plus snowflakes who... Feminists they get offended by their own shadow. How can they possibly like something like John Waters? Well, they fucking love it. Yeah, I know we do. Mm-hmm. Um, his movies can be quite rough to watch if you are completely uninitiated <laughs> to what he's about, especially his early movies. Oh, but, yeah. Oh, my. I remember uh, Pink Flamingos hearing about it in Infamy and just... It took me a while to get around to that of when I was doing the whole, like, I want to see movies that are controversial just because right. I heard scenes from it out of context. And it's like, oh, my God, this is too much for me. I don't think I can handle it. And then when I finally got around to it, I fucking loved it. Like, and this was, like, is the best thing ever. And it's funny because even in context, it's like, yeah, those scenes are still crass and <laughs> fucked up and disgusting. But yes. in the most delightful way. <laughs> Somehow, yes. Yeah, like, you know, hearing it's like, oh, yeah, someone's lip syncs with their asshole and you you see what their kidney looks like by how deep you <laughs> stare into their asshole and then a large drag queen eats dog shit. It's like, <laughs> you hear that as like this, like, yeah, this is how edgy and great this is. But then you, it's like the incomparable divine literally eats dog shit and it is revolting, but it just makes you laugh fucking harder. <laughs> While you're gagging. Yeah, yeah, it's... Uh, I, I, like, have to, like, watch that through my eye. Like, my fingers, it's, like, ooh. Yeah. And I'm retching, but I'm laughing my ass off, too. And it's funny, um, I just then, I used the phrase large drag queen. I didn't mean it to, like, fat shame divine, but, like, that's one of those things that is often thrown around for people, like, when they're talking about, like, the grotesqueries on display. It's just, like, that is one of the many little details that often gets added into it mm-hmm. whereas it's so it's almost like celebratory in yeah how, in how it actually functions in these movies that and divine is just larger than life yeah exactly so, but but that's true yeah you'll get like yeah. i don't like in polyester there's a whole bunch of like oh you fat cow blah, 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 yeah. blah. but then in other ways divine and like her body are like celebrated yep. and is this sort of like backwards tongue-in-cheek sex symbol kind of thing yeah like, exactly so it's like weirdly affirming yeah because like in polyester she takes up like well you know she'd be like the joan crawford of the mildred pierce kind of totally. thing and um you know some like smoldering character uh like some smoldering starlet would play these characters mm-hmm. in the originals and that's the role divine's doing and it's it's weird because it's almost like it's part of the joke but it's also not a joke it's yeah. like hard to find where it fits it's because true it's very self-aware in what it's doing but at the same time it's just like fuck you i'm doing it anyway yeah exactly um john waters is also one of those sort of outsider cinema guys at least that's how he started <laughs> and then you know he had a little hit called hairspray and, and right. hollywood loved him fell in love with him he's still you know like i mean when the hairspray musical came out that just uh 
that just ingratiated them to an even bigger crowd that probably didn't know what they were in totally. for. Totally. Like, I um, didn't know that Hairspray was him, but I was in either, like, late elementary school or junior high school when, like, the newer Hairspray musical movie came like out. Like, the musical one, yeah. Yeah, and I remember because John Travolta plays Tracy's mom. Right. And I all I remember is my mom saying, oh, yeah, in the original one, the mom was played by a drag queen. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's kind of cool, but, like, didn't really look into it more. And then yeah. years later, we're, we're talking, you're like, oh, yeah, Hairspray. And I was like, what? That's... And then it's like, oh, that drag queen was divine. Like, the drag queen. Yeah. I still think um, we need to do a, uh, and I think you've suggested this, actually, but do a Hairspray and Hairspray kind of thing. <laughs> Just I've, see how I've they stack up. Still only seen the one, so and I've still only seen the other. <laughs> yeah, so that would be interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but his early movies, pre that, uh, they were really exercises in bad taste. Like the book he wrote to chronicle his early years is called Shock Value, and mm-hmm. that's a very fitting title for what he was going for with his movies. Like, um, yeah, like for example, uh, Diane Linkletter died by suicide at the age of 20 in 1969 and the day after her death john waters made a film called the diane link letter story about her death or her life leading up to her death and in true john waters fashion it's total trash no doubt well for starters i'm pretty sure it's divine playing diane link letter and this is like a pre, this is like a pre-multiple maniacs divine oh, kind wow. of thing, right? Multiple um, maniacs pretty early. I think it's the earliest I've seen, at least. And, uh, I mean, that carries on into multiple maniacs with it. It was uh, sort of around the big boom of the, the Manson case. Right. And all that. Yeah. And, like, that's worked into the plot line of the movie. <laughs> I forgot about that. Where, uh, what is it? They, they Divine's, like, on the run, thinking she killed, she was, like, involved in the Manson murders or something Probably. like that. Probably. It's, it's been a minute since I've seen that <laughs> one. I, yeah, no, I remember, I remember very clearly I, um, I was hemming and hawing, like, so it was probably like 2016, maybe 2017 we watched it because I remember I was hemming and hawing about quitting my grocery store jobs. I had two other jobs that I was working and then, um, they, I put it, I think I like put in an RTO or something for the date that multiple maniacs was playing at the Metro cinema and they didn't give it to me. So I quit so I could go see it. That's so fucking funny. I didn't realize that that was, I forgot <laughs> that, was the that, that was the thing. Yeah. Yeah. No, I was like this. Yeah. This, this is a fitting end to this trash gig. Yeah, quitting your job to go see a John Waters movie. <laughs> I fucking love it. Like an early John Waters. Yeah, yeah. Um, but other things that happen in the movie include, you know, the rosary job, where it's just oh like God. a sex act in a church using a rosary <laughs> kind of thing. And it's just, we get all these little trashy moments, and it's like, what can you do that hasn't been done before that's in bad taste? It's like, that seems to be the whole impetus behind these movies. Like, mm-hmm. Pink Flamingos is almost like a series of set pieces of total this is trash. True. Yet it does follow a semi-coherent storyline. It does. Yes, it does. That's um, also pretty fucking trash. <laughs> but, like, a good example for that one is the uh, the Marbles, how their whole business is... Uh, yes. They have... 
women trapped in the basement that they continually impregnate just to sell the babies on uh, the black market kind of thing. And it's like, that's fucking horrifying and fucked up. And they sell the babies to lesbian couples specifically. Which today is like, that that doesn't even read on the shockometer compared to all the right? stuff that, that led up to that. It's but, normal for lesbians to, to just, you know, buy or sell, I'm sorry, buy or well, steal no, children. The fact that they are lesbians is just like, <laughs> he was like, yeah, I just wanted to, like, what can I do to make it even more shocking? And that was right. in the day something that would make it even more shocking. Mm-hmm. And the fact that they're lesbians, like, doesn't even register when you look at all the other things in that little scenario yeah. they've concocted. You're just like, oh, well, that's like kind of nice i guess and like to take something really fucking terrible and be like oh well you know pre-ivf and stuff let's uh (laughs) let's let's let nice lesbian couples buy babies (laughs) yeah jesus just saying that out loud it's like i'm I'm trying to make this really big stretch here i'm kind of straining to be like oh that's kind of nice i guess and it's in a very twisted way working (laughs) um and then, of course, a lot of this debauchery and mayhem was based on John Waters' life. Oh, yeah. Like, Everything that dude says is a fucking story, and it's absolutely incredible. Like, these movies are just, like, wall-to-wall, some of the best dialogue ever written. Like, each line is like, how would you come up with that? And it seems like most of the dialogue is stuff that has happened in his life or it has been said or something. Like, he's mm-hmm. just taking things from his very strange life and uh, using it for... Um, for dialogue in his movies kind mm-hmm. of thing. Um, or like in Pink Flamingos, again, to go to his early sort of midnight movie success, there's uh, the part where they would take cabs and run away without paying, and that was just how he and I think Ming Stoll got around. <laughs> Baltimore. Or uh, in the movie we're talking about today, Polyester, the uh, tricking someone into a date just to go on a date with the person that the you are forbidden like. from seeing. He used to do that to go see his his friend, I think, like Mary Vivian Pierce or or one of his friends. It was mm-hmm. uh, he would they they would pretend to go on dates, and oh, then they would yeah. abandon their dates by jumping out of the car and meet up and get into shenanigans. <laughs> so it. like all of these little things that are just like really weird oddball moments in movies. It's like no, this dude lived it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so there's a bit of authenticity there. Like I feel like this is almost cinema verite like reenactments absolutely yeah i know it's definitely one of those like truth is stranger than fiction kind of things Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but uh polyester this one sort of like marks a turning point between his early trash stuff and like it comes after desperate living Hmm. Um, which is still pretty early trash oh it's definitely early yeah i I definitely like if, if you kind of draw a line that's like a spectrum between like pink flamingos up to i don't know his more like is, is medium brow a turn term? Yeah. yeah. Sort of like that kind of thing. I'd put the yeah, Desperate Living very much on the Pink Flamingo side. Absolutely, absolutely. And I'm um, sure most people, like, that's not a hot take by any means. Yeah, like, there's sort of the, the trio, um, at least that were available on home video for a long time. Like, there are more movies, like Multiple Maniacs, mm-hmm. and I'm still waiting for a Mondo Trasho to get a nice right. release. But the the trio is sort of Pink Flamingo's Female Trouble and uh, Desperate Living, and they're all very much those sort of low budget no budget trash epics using mm-hmm. his dreamlanders that he frequently cast in his movies mm-hmm. um and then afterwards he did hairspray and that was like a big commercial success on like a pg rating right. kind of thing but between those he did polyester which was a studio picture unlike his 
earlier <laughs> independent movies, mm-hmm. but it retains so much of those John Waters trash moments. Thank throughout. God for that, or it wouldn't be worth watching. No, it would be. It would, it would just be like, oh, it would what's be a this? melodrama, <laughs> and, and even and then probably like not a. It'd be a forgettable one if mm-hmm. it wasn't for. Yeah, so I'm, I, I guess what I'm saying is that I'm really glad that even though they they brought in the Trash King, they didn't like clean him up too much. Oh well, they, they didn't necessarily bring him in either because he did write, produce, and direct it. So Fair it was from him. It's just he had the studio backing. I think with more. So, I, I guess yeah. yeah. What I mean is like I'm glad the studio took it in and then didn't like rewrite the entire gotcha. thing just to Absolutely. be like, oh look at us, we found this guy in the gutter. And then we like cleaned him up, and yeah. we're being like edgy while not. It's like no, yeah. you still you still got it. It's yeah, good. You still got it. Um, this movie opens not so much like a uh, melodrama, but it opens uh, with a callback to one of his uh, other sort of like filmmaking idols, uh, William Castle, with the whole sort of gimmick aspect of the film like William Castle was famous for having like um the tingler with the chairs that would electrocute and all that stuff in the audience (laughs) and all those like gimmicks for uh for things that would happen in the theaters like they would be rigged to have like special sounds or shakes or like a prop whatever would fly out over the audience and there's just all these gimmicks that he used in marketing these movies um he's done that here and it's uh John's done that yeah John's done that here it's uh Odorama and what we have is this scientist in a lab with his German accent explaining that he's been toiling away to make this movie experience something unique by inventing Odorama, in which there are scratch and sniff cards that when a number appears on the screen, you scratch it and you sniff it. Uh, but this being a John Waters movie, he gets you to sniff stuff like farts and gasoline and glue and stuff like that. And some of them are very bait and switch. Yes, that's absolutely Which is hilarious. true. Like holding out a bouquet of flowers and then the number pops up and then just as you're getting ready to sniff it, all of a sudden it flips to dirty sneakers. Yeah. <laughs> um, but this intro thing, it plays so much like one of those Cas- uh, William Castle kind of gimmick setups where it's like, hello, moviegoers, and it's setting it up. It's like you talking to you, the audience, sitting mm-hmm. in a theater watching a movie. And it also, to me, kind of reminded me of those social hygiene films that we watched in the <laughs> sex and screen class like yeah. not too explicitly but just the way it was set up where we had this german doctor guy right pointing to like this is the human nose everyone's got one and then explaining how it goes with the diagram it just reminds me of like those fucking sex ed movies that were actually just you know how they could get away with making porn before porn was a thing <laughs> um yeah that was just totally the vibe i got off the opening which i would not be surprised if it was completely intentional. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. John Waters is well-versed in cinema, so I would not... Any time you can point, like, this is kind of similar to that thing, even if it's a bit of a stretch, like, you could probably call it intentional. Or, at least, yeah, you at least put your money on it and have a good chance of it being... Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. But then what we get right after this little social hygiene William Castle intro is the sprawling shot of suburbia with this... Oh, my God, this music playing... about how divine's the polyester queen and all that kind of stuff and tab hunter the hollywood hunk who plays the the male lead todd tomorrow yeah the best name yeah he's uh he's singing the theme song so it's like extra hilarious (laughs) and it opens up like a douglas cirque movie like a Mm -hmm. like a melodrama or a quote-unquote woman's picture kind of thing. Yes, that's the ticket. And like I said, I I took a class on those, and 
it's so interesting how this just takes the formula of the more formulaic ones mm-hmm. and just dumps on it, but in a way that's like so respectful of the form. Yes, yes. Like I don't, I don't watch this movie and get the, you know, even though we're kind of like goofing on the genre, we're not at the same time not like being weirdly misogynistic about it. being like, oh yeah, these stupid women's chick flicks. Like women are so dumb with their stupid enjoyments like you know what i mean like it's not that usual kind of like oh women or girls like it so therefore we need to like make fun of it and denigrate it and all these things because they don't have taste if john waters is dumping on anything here to do with that i think it's to do with the way that these movies are regarded as lowly because they're women's pictures yeah yeah like he's dumping on the attitude behind that as opposed to the fact that they were traditionally something intended for women and that women enjoy them yeah yeah uh, but the plot follows so many of these movies. We see Fa- Francine Fishpaw, played by Divine, living the all-American dream with her uh, husband and two kids in the suburbs. And like so many of these movies, the setup of the film, which is actually like the bulk of this movie, because John Waters just revels in torturing Divine <laughs> in this one, uh, is just how her life is falling to shambles. And she's just like, has such a... Uh, like, it's the melodrama of it. Like, this mm-hmm. this picture-perfect family is actually, like, on the verge of crisis because nothing's perfect and everything's fucked up and mm-hmm. there's problems ahoy. And that's the setup of this movie, but in such a John Waters kind of way. Yes. Like, where perhaps the lonely housewife thinks that her husband is having an affair. In this one, he is having an affair with the secretary at the porno theater he runs, and they just have the most unsubtle dialogue <laughs> to show that they're having an affair. Oh. <laughs> oh, Elmer, I have something to show you. <laughs> you know what these are? Yes, sirree. Oral contraceptives. They'll suppress my ovulation through hormones. I got something for you, Sandra. <laughs> I got condoms. Ooh, well, Red uh, hot oh. prophylactics, black, your oh. favorite color. <laughs> oh, go, honey. Oh, Elmer, you do that so good. Come on, honey. Move for me, baby. And keep in mind that while they're saying this, Mink Stoll is like dancing around frantically and like, move for me, baby. It's just. Yeah, fr- they're frantically in their underwear while he's in like his undershirt and boxers mm-hmm. kind of thing. And they're in his back office of his um, theater. And so the walls are adorned with posters for like Ilsa, She Wolf, the SS, and Faster Pussycat, Kill, Kill. <laughs> and so that's just another nice little Joan Waters touch going yes. there. Or the fact that. Uh, her daughter is running around with all the boys and all that kind of stuff. Uh, she, if we think, makes all like dancing and, and uh, <laughs> cavorting for the camera. Like, look at Lulu. Oh, she's Lulu. just, every time she's in the frame, she's just moving in the most exaggerated, like, go-go dancer kind of way. <laughs> or the son being a juvenile delinquent rather than just be like, oh, he's up to no good with those guys racing around in their hot rod cars or whatever. <laughs> it's like, no, he literally has a foot fetish where he does poppers and then stomps on women's feet at the supermarket and gets off on it. And is like a menace and is, you know, nobody knows who the Baltimore foot stomper is, yeah. but they keep, you know, there's all these nudes broadcasts about him and yeah. it's like, we need to catch him. He's menacing all these women, and it's, like, 
holy shit. Yeah. And when we see him, he just looks so fucking tweaking. Mm. And he's just, like, rubbing his chest while moaning and staring at all these women's feet as, like, the creepy, like, string music is playing. <laughs> and it's just, like, it's so unseemly. <laughs> and another sort of, um... What I kind of think of is, I guess, a like I haven't studied melodrama as extensively as you, right. but um, this idea of like you have the hus- like the you know the lonely housewife, she's unhappy in her marriage, and part of it is that her husband treats her so poorly. Yes, he you know he has this very like fifties attitude. He's like, make me a drink, woman, yeah. rub my feet, and she's unhappy. But it's the only life she knows, so yes. she takes it mm-hmm. until. Prince Charming comes along and sweeps her off her feet, and it, that yeah. very sort of formulaic kind of thing you were talking about where yeah. it's like yeah she she her life is in shambles until the until this like fantasy almost comes yeah. true and she, all of a sudden her life like, is like straight from the cover of like one of those like pulp store paperback totally kind of yeah exactly yeah. which also brings um this idea of like the female gaze and yes. specifically the heterosexual female gaze but that's um one of the examples i remember being given to kind of go against the whole, like, oh, yeah, cinema is an apparatus, just reinforces the male gaze, mm-hmm. Laura Mulvey, blah, 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 blah. It's like, well, no, look at the women's pictures, because yep. the women, they're filmed very differently. They're much more agentic, even though they're in kind of lousy situations sometimes yep. that can still be very pa- patriarchal. It's their desire that's projected onto this, like, leading man yes, kind exactly. of thing. So it's it's an interesting kind of... And also, with, like, it's, it's very still, like, conventional and very, like mainstream you don't have to go out of your way to find melodrama yeah while still find having an example of something that is like i hey stop for a second and don't say all of cinema is the male gaze or yeah. whatever but it's funny because this skews even more like you said it's still very normative and, and mm-hmm. all that kind of thing this is done from the perspective of uh, a gay filmmaker mm-hmm. who is very much into camp and trash yes and so it's skewing that supposed heterosexuality that's onto that. Like, the first time we see Todd tomorrow reclining against his car, he's just leaning back and he's just scratching his dick through his pants <laughs> vigorously whilst giving her the look, like, you know, yeah. like, hey, baby, kind of thing. And then their big, like, romantic meeting is at a fucking car crash where some dude has to go, excuse me, and push past him to pick up someone's severed head that's lying in the fucking road. <laughs> and it's just, like, as they're, like, flirting and hitting off and the idyllic music's playing, it just shows, like, cops shaking their head as they're just, like... <laughs> wrapping up bodies at this fucking car crash scene and it's just all this mayhem around them and it's just like such a skewed take on that like chance meeting hopeless romantic kind of yeah swept up into this fantasy and it's like well here's the life that's still going on in the background and it's kind of looking at it going okay Mm -hmm. you guys do you i guess but as uh her life's crumbling uh, another thing that's interesting is you mentioned that there's the Prince Charming who shows up and, like, sweeps her off her feet and makes things better. But as we learn that there's actually some more shit afoot, and that's not necessarily what's actually happening. Yeah, Before we get movies. to that, Edith Massey's character seems to almost fulfill that role where she comes in and it's just mm. like, you're in the dumps, life is awful, no, what you need, like, it's very misplaced but it's like we need to go shopping and then we need to go on a picnic because the best thing about life is a picnic kind of thing Mm -hmm. and they're like outside uh in nature and it's like this is proof that god exists it's so beautiful (laughs) and it's just like that sort of uplifting attempt is there Mm -hmm. from the cleaning woman who was inherited a bunch of money and is now like a debutante kind of thing (laughs) and um 
in John Waters fashion, very fitting with melodrama, even those moments are kind of spoiled. Like when they go shopping, Divine is completely wasted from alcoholism and she's mm-hmm. throwing up in her bag. Or uh, when they go on the picnic, ants come and just mm-hmm. like ruin it. And it's like, oh no, I got ants in my pants. <laughs> No, it's a really good point where it's almost like it follows the conventions with the Tab Hunter character, but at the same time, the way everything ends up coming together, it's it's the friendship. It's the yeah. female friendship that lifts her up yeah. and makes everything okay and brings everything together at the end. And, th- and I she, hadn't thought about that. She has her yeah. family together at the end, yes. and she don't need no man Hell is basically no. how it's going. That's the happy ending. Yeah, she is, is a single mother with reformed children and a BFF. Who has a man's. Yeah, like like her previous man is fucking shot. <laughs> and her her new man is run the fuck over. <laughs> exactly. And it's just like, that's the happy ending. Yes, <laughs> because everything can go back to, like, go back to, can go to normal. Yes, a weird, <laughs> strange version of normalcy. <laughs> but it, this is, again, a John Waters movie. So all those, like, troubles, as I was saying before, like, with the... Uh, the way the affair is concocted and all that stuff mm-hmm. and the son being the Baltimore foot stomper or Lulu getting uh, pregnant and then wanting an abortion that she totally is fucking stoked out to have <laughs> kind of thing. Um, all of the little tribulations and trials that happen are so John Waters, like the mother gets shot because she doesn't know it's Halloween. So the kids trick or treating come in and trash her fucking house. <laughs> no, actually trash uh, Francine's house because the, the mother's just there. Yeah. Um, and then it's like, no candy means you die and shoots her. <laughs> um, uh, what else? Uh, yeah. When the tide turns on the relationship with tab kind of th- thing, uh, Todd tomorrow, what he plans to do is have her committed to the mental institution for a murder she didn't commit. And meanwhile, he's selling her children to, like... like sex traffickers. Pimp. Yeah, like, this guy comes and he's like, are the chickens ready yet? Which chicken was, like, slang mm-hmm. for, like, you know, like, like pedophile sex yeah. traffickers would use that to talk about, like, the, the, the underage kids and right. boys, right? Um, so it's this just... It's so trashy <laughs> in this way that's just very distinctly waters. Mm-hmm. Um but it's trying to fit all this into the suburban <laughs> setting. Like, I love that they're in the nice house in the suburbs and they're being protested because of their fucking porno theater. <laughs> Which is also seems like a very kind of like John Waters experience. Having oh, your movies picketed for corrupting the youth of America or whatever. Like when he's coming home and the uh, picketers are just like, don't show porno. The kids run up and they're like, play G-rated movies, please, please. play Benji. <laughs> and it's just like John Waters and his like, trials and tribulations against the censors just like sneaks through in these little moments mm-hmm. where he's talked about like the 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 painfulness of g-rated movies <laughs> or like um on the news snippet there's that little bit where it's just like blah 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 was arrested for blowing up the maryland censor board yeah. office kind of thing <laughs> and it's just like i'm just getting flashes to his later movie uh cecil be demented you know like his <laughs> yeah because yeah, they, 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 they mentioned the name they're like oh so-and-so was arrested and i was like oh is that like cecil be demented's legal name like yeah. that's how he started out <laughs> yeah <laughs> these movies actually take place in the same universe yeah <laughs> but it's uh just like i love the genre bending going mm-hmm. on in this one it's so much fun. Yeah. Um, what do you make of the way that, like, gender is fucked in this one? With uh, We have Divine as the drag queen. But like I said, with Edith Massey possibly having a backseat version of that, like, dream hunk role. 
Mm-hmm. And then we have Cap Hunter as the actual hunk who was outed as gay and, like, yeah. became sort of a pariah for it. Right. And then, like, it's just layer upon layer mm-hmm. of gender fuckery in this very, in like, hidden under the guise of, like, kitschiness kind right. of Right, yeah. Huh, no, that's a good question. Because, like I said, you adding in that part of where, like, Edith Massey's character is almost sort of that real kind of save her from her shitty suburban life mm-hmm. without sweeping her off her feet. Yeah. Kind of thing. It's like, oh, I had, yeah, I hadn't thought about that part. So that that is a whole other layer. No, I think, I think kind of you were touching on it where it's really interesting how they take that sort of idea of, you know, this like hetero female gaze that's challenging the male gaze by, by channeling it through a gay male director and played through a gay male actor who's, being portraying a woman yeah that there yeah there's just like it's like 12 dimensional chess man yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's like just i just picture like all of these prisms bouncing light to each other in this like yeah. weird like ping pong ball machine of fuckery like it's like whoa like you've got tab hunter holding divine in his arms and saying you're the most beautiful gal i've ever seen then she's just like oh please be gentle with me <laughs> be gentle <laughs> it's just like this fucking moment that it, I think it encapsulates the whole fucking movie right yes. there. Yes, um, and so much of like the, the genre too, yeah. really. But again, in a way that's like poking fun without like denigrating it. Yeah, for sure. That's being like, look how ridiculous this is, and doesn't that make it amazing? Yeah, absolutely. It's not the first time he's done that kind of like fuckery though. Like there's a in a female trouble. Mm-hmm. There's the part where Divine's character is raped and Divine being the drag queen actress is raped by Divine. Yes. Like like as like playing Lincoln a said. dude. Yeah, yeah, playing a dude plays the rapist. Mm-hmm. And so it's just like what like you said 12 dimensional chess like what, <laughs> what the fuck is this <laughs> yeah. kind of thing yeah but it is it's interesting because i think all of that sort of plays in on the ending where we sort of get the all american suburban family is restored at the end but only through bloodshed and chaos and the family structure at the end does not reflect right at all because she has her quote unquote reformed kids. Yes. And uh with their macrame and art. Yep. And then <laughs> the the male love interest is out of the picture. Mm-hmm. Um so is the ex the shitty ex-husband. Yep. So is the mother kind of thing. Mm-hmm. The, the but, evil witch mother. But what we do have in in place is there's like the three figures. There's uh Edith Massey's character and her husband uh her, her- Heinz. Her, her fiance, her fiance Heinz, <laughs> and and um, Francine Fishball, and like the five of them are all in an embrace at the end, mm-hmm. and uh, that that's another thing is, I love the little class thing going on there where the mother of Francine is just like you can't you can't be Edith Massey's friend because she was a cleaning woman. The outrage of her being rich, this is horrible. This is unseemly, and yeah, then, she's just like the injustice of it. Yeah, yeah, like the idea that poor can rise up in the ranks of, of like, Western capital kind of thing. Totally, yeah. Like, they, you know, there's this ongoing myth that if you just work hard, you'll succeed. But then when you actually have that happen to groups that aren't supposed to succeed, yeah. i.e. people of color, i.e. people born, like, poor, like, yeah, all, you working know... Working class. Or, like, exactly. Yeah. When it actually happens, capital shits itself and yep. is, like, bending, like, out, does not know how to handle it. No. 
And then on top of that, it, it's fucked further because she has this uh, chauffeur, butler, yeah. helper dude. And then their ending the is they call. end up getting engaged. Yeah. She's just like, I love this person who, rather than just like, they are my servant mm-hmm. kind of thing. It's like, oh, I love them and they love me. And, and he, he treats me like a queen, but I also like recognize he's a human. Yeah. And so it's it's an interesting take on that sort of uh, like economic dynamic mm-hmm. going on there because that is the healthy relationship. Yeah, of all of the ones here. in the movie. Whereas everyone else is sort of money grubbing. Like the mother finds out that the divorce went through, and Francine gets to keep the house and is going to get two thousand a month. Mm-hmm. And the mother's just like, I need to figure out how to get this. Exactly. And she presumably calls Tab Hunter, who enters the picture shortly thereafter. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, like, even more, it's just like, oh, we're going to have all this money from that, and we can sell this house. And then he's like, and I can sell her kids and sell the drive through I own, and then we'll be rich and we'll go to Miami and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And it's just one of those things where there's money on both sides, but one of it is just, like, so greedy, and it's like the American dream horrible grotesque face kind of uh, like yeah, you pull that the just, mask off it rests on exploitation yeah exactly and dehumanization whereas it's like the other side of how people get rich is Edith Massey's where it was happenstance like they, it, they don't play it that it wasn't anything but luck yeah that's true and I mean if you you can read it one way where it's like oh it's like she inherited it but it's like she they left it to her because she, they liked her. She was a hard because worker. Because she was a good worker. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. So like she did work. So she didn't earn it as like a paycheck, but oh, she absolutely. earned it out of like being like a good person. Yeah, no, she's definitely a good person who, who, who worked, worked hard. hard, but at the same time that kind of calls to action all the, um, stuff where you hear people, it's like, I worked for my fortune and all that stuff. And then of course it was an inheritance. That was the bulk of that where it's like, yeah, yeah you worked hard at your dad's job where you got like a senior position because of your inherited right. and, wealth. And you, you could take risks because there was no, you know, if, if you were to go bankrupt with the measly 500 grand that your dad loaned you, yeah. whoop de fucking do. Like, yeah, so he's it's still like afloat, may, he'll take you, you back. You may have put in like literal work. Literal hard work and all that stuff, but it doesn't change the fact that you started you had, up up yeah. here. You were it, it is not an equal or you had a field. windfall, and like yes. it's like yeah, you worked hard, but then you know there was a windfall there that that really it, you can't just just say I'm a it was a hundred percent hard work, no. and nothing else. Fuck there were no. no other things exactly. Yet she's not like the defensive gross type about it. No, she's like, oh, thing. my inheritance came in, and I'm gonna like treat myself, but also and like spread joy exactly. Yeah. Which is nice. Yeah, definitely. But um, beyond the sort of like econo- socioeconomic kind of fuckery happening there, to go back to that image at the end of all the people embracing yes. and that in, in suburbia, the family being restored after the evil is vanquished kind of thing, but in a roundabout way, this could also be an argument for, I guess maybe more so like a representation of that idea of like queer kinship and like the family, the logical oh, family. Yeah. like. Which I, I love that term. I've heard friends use it where they're like, oh, yeah, you know, we're not going to go. It's the holidays. We're not spending it with our biological family. We're spending it with our logical family. Oh, who are the family it. that yeah. we've chosen because they're the people that nourish us and that we love. And, like, you know, it doesn't, you know, if you're related by blood, it doesn't mean that you're going to automatically have a good relationship or those are going to be the best people for you. Yeah, exactly. And, yes, yeah, so when I heard that, I was like, oh, that is so good. I love it. Oh, yeah. I haven't heard that phrase before. That's really yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah. Because I guess that is what we're seeing at the end of the movie, for sure. And it is their logical family. Like, I mean, you have the kids who are related by blood, but as far as the other two, they're 
yeah. just there and they're great supportive people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like there's definitely some queer kinship at mm-hmm. work in this. And like the so. family you choose that helps you survive and thrive even. Yeah, because like the picturesque Amer- all-American family at the start pretty much had to die for they're this to come fucking about. fucking miserable too. Like they're miserable and Lulu and Dexter both had to go undergo such like complete like hit rock bottom kind of thing kind of thing yeah for this happiness to happen and everyone else like the dad had to die and even like their dog hung itself like their dog <laughs> commits suicide it's like um wow <laughs> um, <laughs> that scene still like i like scream laughing every yeah, time it is so time. funny the first time i was so unexpected that i yeah. was like crying with laughter and I, I almost, like, at this point, I think I just, like, remember it as funnier than it actually is. Yeah. Because I feel like my laugh is always, like, disproportionate yes. to the scene itself. Half of it's at the memory of being so surprised mm-hmm. the first time. And, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's so good. But the uh, reformation of the kids is also definitely commented on Mm -hmm. because you know like it could be read as one thing like they're delinquents and stuff and they have to step in line to be recovered kind of thing like that is an argument that you could make and it happens in these movies Mm -hmm. but the way that Water's instructed. It's so sickly sweet it in this is. one. Like, like the daughter turns from wanting to be like a go-go dancer, like Skagit kind of person, bar, yeah. to just uh, a hippie. Who she's a hippie macrame. throwing the peace sign with the macrame kind of thing. And the son goes from being like a sex pervert criminal to like the sensitive artist who's just misunderstood, but he's channeling. Like, he's, when he walks up, he's wearing the suit with the slicked over hair, and he's like, hello, mother, I'm back, I've, I've been rehabilitated. I'm so sorry for how I've treated you and what I've done. And yeah, it's, it's almost like they've been, like, brainwashed or yeah. body snatched or something. But it's so But that's, like, the point. Exactly. That's, that's kind of what he's saying, where yeah. it's just like, yeah, if these characters need to be recuperated, then let's just show how ridiculous that like recuperation is. Like, we're literally is. giving them a personality transplant yeah. and drawing attention to that fact. Yeah, because if there's anyone who thinks that juvenile delinquents don't need recuperation, it's John Waters. <laughs> well, he is just a big grown-up juvenile delinquent. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> uh, this fucking movie. We watched uh, the Criterion Collection. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they recently put it out uh, in a nice restoration and all that. They were brave enough to do so. Yes. I, I think they're they're finally mending their ways of not having John Waters mm-hmm. in the collection for a Slowly long time. Slowly but surely. Yeah. Well, there's three of them so far. Let's mm-hmm. hope they keep going. Oh, yeah. Uh, but they included the Odorama card in this one. <laughs> and I had the old Odorama card from my DVD from way back when. So we each had one. And I was using the Criterion one. And holy shit. Was it was pungent and Ooh, fresh. Yeah. Like some of those fucking smells made me gag so hard. Mm-hmm. There are a couple that I'm like, okay, I'll smell them. And others I'm like, I'm not, no, I'm not going to. I refuse. I'll just use this like one that is so old that everything kind of smells the same mm-hmm. and that's fine like i felt it was very grim that the skunk was one of the least objectionable right. ones on the card like that should tell yeah. you how bad the other one and then like were. our fingernails stunk after they kind of just smelled oh, like mine garbage. finally doesn't smell like garbage anymore from scratching the scratch and sniffs <laughs> it smelled like garbage for a while yeah it was a mix of uh roses and farts and yep. garlic and onions and fucking shoes and yeah. shit like gasoline and yeah they're, yeah, they're like just huffing solvents in the car <laughs> it just smash cuts them huffing solvents and then number three appears like scratch the third box and it's just like oh, do i want to <laughs> the answer is yes mm-hmm. 
Have well, you seen I don't know if the answer is yes, but I did it. I've seen this movie before. I knew what was coming. Yeah. I've done the scratch and before, yet this time I still did it. I know. I'm like, time. I know what the bait and switch is. I remember what's happening here. Yeah. I'm doing it anyway. Yeah. So, wee. <laughs> well, I think it's going to be a bit of a shorter one for us this week. It's been a really by our standards week around at least. us, uh, <laughs> around here for us. Yeah. So by our standards, it'll be a bit quick. Um, before we go, let's definitely get into those recommendations. Mm-hmm. Well, I will start with Female Trouble, John Waters, oh, starring so Divine, so which good. we've mentioned a few times in this episode already about some of the stuff that happens in it. Mm-hmm. Because while this one is definitely, like I was saying, more on that sort of Pink Flamingos, very trash, less studio kind of end, at the same time, it follows that same, uh, somehow sort of similar arc on a very off-beaten path of the, like, you know, young woman who's down on her luck and then fame and fortune enters her life kind yes. of thing, but in a, the most John Waters way possible. Yeah. So it's it's good fun. It's, uh, yeah, the, there aren't really words to describe it. It's just oh, it's so fantastic. fucked up. It's hilarious, but it is so <laughs> fucked up. Yes. No, good choice. Uh, Criterion actually did this one as well. I'm yes, I thought so. I haven't watched the uh, their transfer of it yet, but mm. I'm looking forward to it. Me too. Uh, my recommendation is going to be, given that this movie is so based in cinema and like mm-hmm. they've got the odorama and the cinema gimmicks and it's calling back to another kind of cinema, I'm going to do his treatise on cinema, <laughs> Cecil B. Demented, the film about a uh, gang of cinematic terrorists who are making the ultimate art house picture because they want death to Hollywood and mainstream cinema. And it is a fucking treat. Yes, it is. It's. Uh, I think it's one of those ones that if you're like a total like movie junkie cinemaphile like you've done film studies and stuff there's just even more to appreciate from it but Mm -hmm. uh if you're not it's still like an absurd movie it's still a really fun time um it's very much rooted in the idea of film and filmmaking so it's you know like if that's in your wheelhouse you you have to see this fucking movie yeah absolutely yeah well thanks again for joining us this week um as you can tell, we're taking a little bit of a breather from the out-and-out horror after uh, October. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll, of course, be back to our normal ways soon, but mm-hmm. I'm enjoying these dalliances into cult film territory. Me too. Because uh, they're just as important and movies just, that I've loved. Just as enjoyable. Yeah, like this weekend last, we've covered two of my favorite movies, mm-hmm. and so I'm all for it. Me too. <laughs> but until then, take it easy and keep it sleazy.